Good morning. <laughs> uh, trying to catch me there. It's good to see you this morning. Glad you're here with us. Um, this morning, we're going to start a new series um, that is entitled Forgive. And I'm just going to be straightforward this morning. We chose that over the word forgiveness because uh, we're going to look at how it is a command. Forgive. And so this morning, I just want to start uh, by giving us a definition. Forgive. It's a verb to stop feeling angry or resentful towards someone for an offense, flaw, or a mistake. I think it's easy for us in the church to talk about forgiveness. We do that a lot. We talk about Jesus' forgiveness for us, forgiveness for others. Uh, but when it gets down to the very base root that you are called to forgive, sometimes we're a little more hesitant to have that conversation. And so that's what we want to have today, how to stop holding on to our anger, stop holding on to our resentment, and to give and to forgive. So uh, I think we're going to need the Holy Spirit's help this morning. So we're going to pause and we're going to pray and then we'll jump into scripture. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you. We, we come before you this morning and as we sing that song, uh, that your mercy is more, that it's new every day, uh, that it outweighs the sins in which uh, we commit on a regular daily basis. We, we come to you and confess we might not even fully grasp how much you have to forgive in our own lives. And yeah, you've called us to forgive. And so this morning, uh, we ask that you would just send your Holy Spirit to help us, to convict our hearts, to help us do hard things, to walk through what it looks like to forgive. Uh, Father, would you just uh, allow us to see this in the light in which you desired it? And we love you, Jesus. And we just thank you for our time together this morning. We pray these things in your name. Amen. So turn with me to Matthew chapter six. That is uh, where we find the Lord's prayer, the way he taught us to pray. We're gonna start by reading that this morning and a, a verse or two afterwards. So Matthew chapter six, verse nine says this. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food that we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't lead us or let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Verse 14, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. Jesus is pretty straightforward in his prayer and how he teaches us. Convicting, clear, commanding that, that we are to forgive others their sins because we have been forgiven our sins. In fact, the one thing Jesus chooses to clarify out of the way he taught us to pray directly after he does is forgiveness. He says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. If you choose not to forgive those who sin against you, then your heavenly father will not forgive your sins. I don't know how to make this light and fluffy to you today because it's not. This isn't a, a, a suggestion. This isn't a, maybe you should do this. This isn't, uh, hey, this would be a good idea for you. This is a command. 
If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior in this room, you are commanded to act upon this verse. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'm not talking to you today, okay? I'm just not. And when we talk about at this church, uh, we want you to belong. We want you to become more like Jesus. This is, this is a moment where we have a chance to become more like him. In fact, um, I had that opportunity face to face uh, when I had to preach on this for the first time after a big moment in my own life. Uh, a senior in high school, I've told, or excuse me, senior in college, I've told you this story before. Uh, I was at Taylor University when uh, the car accident took place. Uh, it was actually a class on a Wednesday night. Uh, a student busted into our class and said, there's been an accident at Taylor, uh, you know, on 69 and some Taylor students have died. We all headed to the chapel uh, immediately. That's where they told us to go and gather as uh, a campus. And uh, as I got there and as the hours unfolded after that, we learned that uh, a semi-truck driver fell asleep at the wheel of his 18-wheeler, crossed over the median on 69 and hit a Taylor van. Uh, it took four students and one staff member, and one of those students was my best friend, Betsy. And uh, I'll never forget that night because uh, I called, actually the reason, the way in which I figured that out was because her mom called me to let me know that she was in the vehicle and that she had passed and asked me to go ahead and tell our friends at Taylor. Why me? I have no idea. I would rather that, that not have been me. Later that night, I talked to uh, one of her sisters and her brother, uh, and I said, what do you want me to do? And they asked if I would just come to their house. So I drove over to Illinois uh, that night, and I spent the next three weeks with her family, uh, basically being the organizer of everybody that was coming and going. It got to the point where uh, one night, uh, Dr. Dan was Betsy's dad's, well, that's what we called him. He's a doctor and his name's Dan. It fits together, you know? And uh, Dr. Dan asked me if I would come in because, because he and his wife weren't sure that they could pray that night. And so I went in and prayed before bed with him. I'll just be honest with you today that uh, I went back to campus I graduated that, uh, about two weeks after that. I moved to Memphis, Tennessee. And all the while, um, the one thing I wanted was for that truck driver to experience what I had experienced for three weeks as I watched Betsy's parents bury her. I wanted him to lose a family member in a car accident so he could see what it was like. And in fact, I, I wanted that even deeper two years later when I figured out that after serving one year in prison, he was released. You wanna talk about anger and resentment and ill will. And then at that time I was in Memphis and, and finally the moment happened. I knew it was gonna happen eventually, uh, but my, my boss said, hey, you're gonna preach this message on for forgiveness. And I came head to head with something that I had no desire to do for a certain man that I'd never even met. And I had to figure it out. That's where forgiveness became real for me. And I, I think you're probably like me. I hope you're like me. If you're not like me, don't tell me because I don't wanna know, right? But I wanted to be the judge. Right, like I, 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 this is, I think, what we all struggle with when it comes to when we're hurt or someone sins against us. We want to play the judge rather than to trust the judge. 
You see, I, 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 I knew what needed to happen. I knew what he deserved. I knew what would be best for him as a result of what he did to us. And yet that's not what necessarily God calls us to, right? Now I understand this and, and I put this in the notes and I just want you to know I put it in the notes. Uh, there's different levels of the way in which people sin against us. And that it's all sin, uh, but the truth is some of you have experienced things that I could never even imagine. Abuse, abandonment, someone taking one of your family members. There's, there's, I, I don't understand those things, all of them completely and fully. But here's what I want you to hear this morning. Because oftentimes when we talk about forgiveness, uh, we as pastors are told, you gotta, you gotta make sure you clarify, like there's another level of hurt that takes place out there. And this morning I wanna clarify something. There's no qualification from Jesus in this passage. He never says, forgive if it's just a minor offense. Forgive if it's not something that's caused you years and years and years and years of pain. What he says is, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. Now, let me say this too. To offer forgiveness doesn't mean that you have to put yourself in the same place again. To offer forgiveness doesn't mean you even ever have to talk to that person again. I would go as far to say, and I'll explain this as we continue on this morning, that offering forgiveness, you don't even have to express that to the person you're giving forgiveness to. I'm gonna explain why that is in a second. So I want you to hear this morning, we're all on the same playing level when, it talks, when we talk about to forgive. God calls us to do it. He commands us to do it. And your forgiveness from him is dependent on your forgiveness towards others. Again, I wish it could be light about this, but it's hard to be light about something that's so direct and so clear. So let's turn to Mark chapter two. I think we get a picture from God and, uh, of what it looks like. And I think I'm gonna suggest something this morning that may be new to you. Uh, I've been chewing on this for about two years now and it makes a lot of sense to me. And I wanna present it to you over the next, we're gonna spend four weeks in this series. And so over the next three, we'll present this idea I'm gonna show you this morning. And then the last week, we're gonna talk about what results if we do this well. We picked this intentionally. I'm, <laughs> let, me, let me tell you like the final part of my evilness inside. We picked this for November because we're all gonna hang out with our families at the end of it, okay? I'll just tell you my evil heart right now, okay? Like, you're gonna have to sit around those fools at Thanksgiving and then we'll just one, prepare you for that moment, okay? Like, I'm just being honest, up front, telling you everything I got today. All right, chapter two, uh, we're gonna read verse one and proceeding. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men carrying a paralyzed man on a mat came. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head and then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. 
Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. Some of the teachers in religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. And so he asked them, why do you question in your hearts? Is it easier to say to a paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven or stand up, pick up your mat and walk? So I'll prove to you that the son of man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. And Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. The man jumped up, grabbed his mat and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. Now I read this story to you because I, and I, I'll point out the obvious. Uh, these four men and the paralyzed man, there's no beef between them. There's no sin between them. There's no uh, situation in which they need to forgive one another. But what I see in this passage and what I think uh, we can learn from this passage is there's three parts that come to forgiveness when it comes to sins. Uh, the first part is our part. So our part. Well, what are we called to do when it comes to the command forgive? Then there's God's part. What is God called to do when it comes to forgive? And then what is their part? Whoever, are, whoever that is for you in your life. And you see that in this story, you see the four men and, and they, they are doing something when it comes to forgiveness. They know, hey, Jesus, word about Jesus is spread. This is the guy who could actually heal this man. And so they bring uh, this situation to Jesus for healing. Now, what they think is like a physical healing. They want to like see him. I imagine them, I don't know if you've ever watched The Chosen. You can feel however you want about it. It gives a picture of this moment where they're digging through the roof and they're kind of lowering this guy and there's stuff falling down on their heads. It's this beautiful picture. And then he's lowered right in front of Jesus. And I mean, how humiliating must that have been, right? He's lowered right in front of Jesus. And Jesus has no option but to acknowledge what's going on. I mean, like somebody came through the ceiling right now. I'd have to say something about it, right? Uh, and he says to the, to the man, my child, your sins are forgiven. He's going straight to the sin issue. And so I, th that is right then and there, that is God's part. But what is our part? And our part, I, I believe, is carrying whatever our situation is to Jesus. That's what these four men are doing. They're carrying their situation to Jesus. And notice why Jesus chooses to heal this man. Verse five, seeing their faith. They brought the situation that they didn't know how to solve and reconcile. They brought it to the feet of Jesus. We talk about that a lot in the church and sometimes it's cliche, but the truth is, is like, that's what we're called to do. Whatever that is that is in your life, the situation that is not reconciled, that way in which somebody else sinned against you, like the question is, are you bringing it to the feet of Jesus? Because I, I believe this statement is true. I've prayed over this statement before I was going to share it to you. Like your willingness to forgive is directly connected to your faith in the forgiver. Your willingness to forgive is directly connected to your faith in the forgiver. Is Jesus who he says he is? If he is, then we can bring this option to forgive to him just as these men did. You see God do his part through Jesus when he says your sins are forgiven. And then you see their part. Verse 12, I mean, I mean, Jesus just spoke to that. He didn't touch him. He didn't like 
He barely even talked to him. He's talking to these other guys over here who are questioning him. And the guy jumps up, grabs his mat and leaves. And we're going to talk about those two things in the next two weeks. But what I want to focus on today is our part. What's our part? Our part is to model what Jesus did for us. You don't have to turn there, but Romans 5, 8 says this, God showed us his great love. And while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While you were still a sinner, uh, Jesus died for you. Right? Like while you were still harming and hurting him, he died for you to give you forgiveness to offer you, to say to you, I forgive you. Like right now, like you were, we are still sinning against him and he's still in heaven saying to us, I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you. He sets that example. I, I said this a minute ago, for us to become like Jesus is to understand that's what forgiveness looks like for us. It's a perfect picture of the verb forgive. And the question is, it goes back to it, is your, your willingness to forgive, it is directly connected to your faith, belief, trust, understanding of the one who is and always will be the forgiver. And so what's that look like for you? <laughs> Where are you entrusting Jesus with forgiveness? There's another part that plays into this. Uh, I wanted to make sure we made this distinction. Uh, it's a theological distinction. And because I, I said it earlier and then I shifted over to Jesus and I'm gonna shift again back over here to God. There's a difference between God's seat and Jesus. God is the one who sent Christ to die for us and for our sins. Uh, he is the one who sent him. So he is ultimately the one who is in control and therefore he is the judge. We know that to be true. At the end of time, he's going to be the one who is going to be judging us. And Jesus is the forgiver. He is the one who came, offered his life for the forgiveness of our sins. Now, here's the thing. We have to trust Jesus with the act to forgive. But we also have to trust God that he is the judge and we don't need to take that seat. When we take the seat of the judge, we're taking the seat of God. We're not taking the seat of Jesus. We're taking the seat of God. Saying, you know what, God, you don't, <laughs> you don't know how to judge. Let me handle this. You, you don't know the situation and how bad it hurt me. Let me handle this. You don't understand how much anger and resentment I have towards them. Let me handle this. And the thing that I keep going back to is, is if he truly is the judge. Here, let's just read about him being the judge. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 20. Let's just go back to the back, all right? This is what it looks like for God to be the judge at the end of time. Chapter 20, Revelation, verse 11. And I saw a great white throne and the one who's sitting on it. The earth and the sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were open, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up its dead and the dead and the grave, excuse me, and the dead and the grave gave up their dead. And all were judged according to their deeds. Then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. 
This lake of fire is the second death and anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. That, that's the judge. That's who I would stand here and ask you today to trust whatever hurt that you have, uh, put it into his hands. Because the truth is, is whoever hurts you, listen, they're gonna have to answer for one day before the judge. You don't have to worry about that piece. That's not, that's not your job. That's God's job. And trust me, he will do his job. He will do his job. You don't have to worry about that part. See, your job is what? Is to forgive. Jesus told us, this is your job. Your job is to forgive. Now notice what this tells us we will be judged upon when we get to heaven. And the dead were judged according to what they had done. According to what they had done. That's you and me. When we get to heaven, I don't know what questions will be asked. Somebody's asked me that before one time, a couple of times. Like, what do you think will be asked when we get to heaven? Like, I don't know. I wish I knew. Where's the cheat sheet for that, right? I don't know. But I often wonder if one of the things that we're going to be asked is, did you forgive the way I forgave you? It was a command by Jesus. It's got to be important. Did you forgive the way I forgave you? Because he, he's not asking you and I to be punished. He already paid for that. What he's asking for you and I to do is to trust him as the forgiver and God as the judge. And if we can do that, we can let go of anger. We can let go of resentment. We can let go of the evil thoughts for the person whom has hurt us. But if the answer is no, that we can't, we can't, no, I didn't forgive the way you forgive. That's because we still wanted to be the judge. We still wanted to hold on to our anger. We still wanted to have our resentment. We still wanted them to feel what we felt. Is what you felt real and valid? Yes. But you got to take that to God too. You've got to trust God that he is going to do his job at the end of time. He is going to judge those people who have sinned against you for what they did. And then you got to realize, you know what? I no longer have to be the judge. I no longer have to carry this anger. I no longer have to carry resentment. I don't no longer have to carry these evil thoughts about somebody else. Our part, our part, is to act on the command to forgive. Matthew 6, 14 and 15. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. So back to my story. My boss said, you gotta preach on forgiveness. How am I supposed to stand up in front of students and preach on forgiveness when I know in my heart I've been holding on to anger and resentment towards a man I've never met? So I looked him up. In fact, I actually had to Google the accident to remember his name because that's how much I blocked him out of my mind. I looked him up. Uh, I found him on Facebook. 
Everybody does that, right? He had posted a picture three days before, living his life, having taken my best friends. I opened up a little direct message between he and I, and I typed out a message. He has no idea who I am, so I had to explain who I was. Told him my name, told him what I experienced in the week after, told him what I wanted for him for now almost four or five years. And then I spaced down and I wrote this one line, I forgive you for taking my best friend's life. I had sinned. If you know Facebook Messenger, you see a little blue bubble that pops up there. That's what you just wrote. I closed my computer. I came back the next day to work. And I'll tell you, that night when I walked out of the office, I just felt so free. Because you know who had been suffering for four or five years? It wasn't him. It was me. I had been suffering with my anger, with my resentment, and my ill will towards him. It had been holding me back, not him back. I came back the next day, I opened up my computer and I didn't even intend to do this. And I wasn't planning on looking back ever. I opened up my computer, but I never closed out of that internet box. So right there's my blue bubble. And if you know Facebook at all, you can see right underneath that, it says red sometime in a 6 p.m. hour that night. No response. But I knew in my heart he had read it. And at that point, my job was done. That was it. When I stand before God and he says, hey, did you forgive the way I forgave you when it comes to Betsy's accent? I can say yes. Did he accept it? No idea. Did he receive the forgiveness? Has he, is he right with God? I don't know. That's not my responsibility. Not when it comes to somebody who's hurt at me and caused me pain, right? Yes, we want to bring as many to Christ. But in these situations, I believe God is going to be gracious towards us to do our part. And that is to offer the forgiveness. Some of you in this room, I, I just know this is true. Some of you in this room, the people who you are holding on to anger and resentment don't even walk this earth any longer. And who's suffering? You are. I want you to come back next week because we're gonna talk about God's part. I want you to come back the next week because we're gonna talk about their part. I really want you to come back Thanksgiving weekend because we're gonna talk about what results if we can do this well. But I truly believe in my heart that you and I are gonna be held accountable for our part when it comes to the command to forgive. And so today, I, I'm, I leave you with this question. When you get to heaven, are you gonna be able to answer yes to this? Did you forgive the way I forgave you? Did you forgive the way I forgave you? It's directly connected to our faith in the forgiver and our trust in the judge. If you can leave it in his hands, I think you'll experience peace. And we wanna to continue to unpack that. Each time we preach this series, we're gonna end just with the Lord's Prayer. Uh, I, I wrote the Lord's Prayer out in my notes and uh, our team looks at it and Andrew sent me a message like, what version is this? I was like, it's my grandfather's version around the dinner table. I don't know, right? 
I'm pretty sure it's like a combination of like three different versions, okay? But even as someone who didn't know Jesus as a kid, my grandfather, would, every time we gathered to eat, he would we'd grab hands and he would pray this. And it's just ingrained in my mind in that way from before I knew Jesus as my Lord and Savior. So I'm gonna pray it in that way. You can try to figure out what version it is, okay? Let's pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.